podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening to everybody who is joining us for the latest Same Old Arsenal podcast. It's me, Chris Suburban Guna. Chris, joined by my Brothers, sisters of the same old Arsenal fraternity, uh, Amanda and James. As always, the trio is here. Uh, how are you all doing in the chat? Uh, please uh, say hello. Do you know what? Say hello to us to start off with. Um, quick one just before we kick off. Uh, this podcast is, of course, sponsored by Ruth Beck Art. We are delighted to have Ruth as our sponsor, and she is doing some amazing things for Christmas as well. So if you want to send something nice to the, the gooners in your life that you love, there are cards, there are all sorts of great things that she's doing. So make sure that you check out her website. And yes, we've got lots of, she's got lots of amazing things to uh, get involved with. Amanda, uh, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Really good. You well? Yeah. Are you? This feels like the most chilled sort of, oh, it was just another three points lovely uh, podcast, doesn't it? Yeah. And the weekend for football's gone generally okay, apart from Liverpool, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Phil not Macca, Spursy man. at all for us, was it? Yeah, not Spursy. We will come there? to that. We will come to that. Phil Macker in the chat. Top man. <clears throat> big up, Ruth. Yes, we all big up, Ruth. Mr. Cook, the Captain Cook, you all right? How have you? How are you doing? Have you had a lovely weekend? Yeah, I have, mate. All the more lovelier by Arsenal getting that win yesterday. And um, like you say, just nice to get a routine three points after what was a fairly routine win in midweek. I still think... I still want more, still want it to be a little bit more exciting, but, you know, can't complain. 3-1 to Arsenal, we're in a great position in the league, great position in the Champions League. Really can't be asking for much more, to be quite honest. Yeah, you're so greedy. I just want more. I always want more. You're like the Oliver Twist of the Arsenal podcast world. I do, mate. I just, I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm sure we'll go into it a little bit more, but I still felt in that first 45 minutes, I just wanted to see a little bit more oomph, a bit more pizzazz. But look... Scored three goals. I am asking for way too much. Um, you are going to have games like that. You are going to have results like that. And taking into account the amount of players that we are missing going into that game, just to win it alone, no matter what the scoreline was, I think would have been a really good achievement in itself. So, you know, I could say it's only Burnley, but credit to them. I think, you know, we in the past couple of games at the Emirates, we played Sheffield United, who were rubbish. Sevilla, who were equally as rubbish, if not worse. And out of the three of those, if we're including Burnley, they actually came, played football, had a good amount of shots on target against us. And I think you've got to say credit to him because I actually thought they, they played a decent game of football. Yeah, and we're going to get into the nubs a bit. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Sphere game too. Of course, this is the same old Arsenal podcast. So we're going to spend the vast bulk of today talking about the Arsenal, as everyone in the chat already knows, uh, some of the regulars that are checking in. Lovely to see you all. Um, Melissa, uh, uh, Imara, James, all of you guys, lovely to see all of you guys on it. But let's do a minute or two about stuff away from Arsenal. Let's get that out of the way. The Schadenfreude, the laughing at other teams, and also the, hmm, what an interesting thing. Because we'll go uh, reverse chronologically, because I don't know about you guys, but I watched the Chelsea uh, Man City game, and that was a barnstormer. So, Amanda, just a minute on that, and then we'll talk. We'll have a little chuckle at uh, the scum down the down the road, uh, but yeah, start with the. Let's have a minute from you on the uh, the game earlier. Well, it was interesting. I didn't see the first couple of goals because I was out doing stuff, and then I came back in, literally sat down, 
and they get uh, Raheem Sterling scores. It, keep, it keeps happening to me with Chelsea. Happened last week with Spurs. I walked in and they scored. Um, <clears throat> but City kept coming back and then City took the lead and I was like, I was getting really stressed like I was watching an Arsenal game because them dropping points is massive for us. Whenever we can, we need them to drop points because we're going to drop points. Um, good game. Felt like it deserved a draw. Um, I would like to say that um, Arteta has been lambasted in the uh, press this week continuously by Sky. But Pochettino walked on the pitch and actually lost his, well, he had a meltdown over the referee, at the referee. And I'm telling you now, if that was Arteta, Sky would not have been bigging him up the way they were. Four all um, at the bridge. Very happy. Two points dropped for City. Lovely. James, uh, a minute or two from you. And then also let's segue into the uh, the car crash that was uh, happening in the, in the black country yesterday. Yeah, I mean, the, the City-Chelsea game was absolutely mental, wasn't it? Um, I watched their game, Chelsea, that is, um, against Tottenham earlier on uh, in the weekend. I mean, that was equally as insane. Um, I mean, Chelsea aren't really disappointed on the entertainment front at the minute, but you got to say, given that they were really struggling for goals this season earlier on, I mean, they've scored eight against Spurs and City, um, which, you know, is... is you know, no mean feat. So credit to him for that. But um, certainly, like you say, Amanda, for City to drop points at any opportunity is huge for us. And given that we also drew at Chelsea, I'd have felt a little bit aggrieved if City had gone there and won. Um, and I think, you know, they are showing that they are susceptible to damage, even when they have put, you know, the likes of Rodri in the team. Defensively, I thought they were just just a little bit calamitous. I mean, Garvidal on one of the goals just completely um, lost it and uh, allowed Rhys James to get across in, which was put away. Um, so, yeah, I do think they are suspect. I do think they've had a few players come in that have kind of disrupted the flow, similarly to how we've done. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it, it's anyone's race at the minute. you just got to look at the Premier League table. There are so many teams up there, ourselves, Liverpool, Spurs, um, and even Aston Villa are up there. So, yeah, it's, it's really exciting to see how many teams are in for it. And then... Going into the Spurs game yesterday, I uh, was on the, the way to the game when I saw they were winning 1-0. And, you know, anyone that lives in London knows when you go into the underground, you don't get any sort of signal whatsoever. So I came out and I came out of the uh, by the famous cock at Highbury Islington, if anyone knows that pub. And it was just going absolutely mental in there. And I was like, oh, it must be 1-1. Fantastic news. I checked my phone. It's actually 2-1. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was balmy just walking from there to the Emirates and just... Again, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Do you know what's really weird? So I had a, I had a similar situation. Now, Cookie, you and I have had a drink in the Duchess, which is just off of Highbury and Islington. For those people that know the area quite well, so you come out of Highbury and Islington, you turn left. There's a road called Liverpool Road. So you've got Holloway Road and Liverpool Road, which uh, almost run parallel to each other. I was walking along Liverpool Road at the time because we'd left the Duchess going towards the ground. And there was a massive cheer that came up because we I'd only just five minutes beforehand uh, been in the uh, in or well, just outside the pub when that cheer for the equaliser went up. So when it went up again, I was with a couple of uh, lads and we were all looking around going, no, it can't be, could it? And then when you find that out, absolutely brilliant. But we've done three and a half minutes of talking about other teams and that is thoroughly unacceptable. So let's go into the game itself. Do you know what? Actually, before we go into the game itself, Sevilla, Let's do a few minutes on that because I'm conscious that we didn't do one of the uh, fabulous uh, James Cook preview shows. Uh, preview show 
post-show uh, in between the Champions League and the Premier League stuff. So I'm going to start with you, Cookie, because you're normally king of the uh, preview show, post-show, uh, as we're doing this season. Uh, let's have a minute or two on Sevilla. Uh, happy with the result? Uh, what was your general thoughts on that performance before we then get into the Burnley uh, result? Yeah, so first and foremost, apologies to anyone that was eagerly awaiting a preview slash review show this week. Uh, I realised there wasn't one pre-severe, I realised there wasn't one post-severe. Um, unfortunately, my work coincided on the evenings that I do those shows. So um, they will be back, hopefully without any hiccups post-international break and um, yeah, try and get them back up and running as quickly as possible. But in answer to your question, mate, very happy with how Sevilla went. Just like I said previously, completely run of the mill, can't ask for much more. I wanted more of a test, to be honest, because I thought Sevilla just offered absolutely nothing. I was really surprised by, number one, how much they rotated. Their squad seemed so different to the one that we played away from home. And uh, they just barely got in our half. I can't remember one shot they had until, you know, the 90-plus minute. Um, And it was just comfortable. 95th, I think it was, the minute. Yeah, I mean, that's just just crazy, isn't it? It speaks for itself. So, yeah, really happy with how that game went. And, um, you know, it's... Ever so slightly disappointing to not have mathematically qualified in the group yet, but I think you know it's Lons at home next. Um, you know we owe them a bit of revenge, so if we could get a, a result there, it doesn't even have to be a win, but I'd like us to win that game. Just just kind of wrap it all off and then go into the PSV game and have the likes of you know Reese Nelson, Fabio Vieira, etc. Start in that one um, to rotate, freshen up. Yeah, I think we're in a good position. Um, so yeah, really pleased. Couldn't really have asked for a better week, and I think it was really important that we got that win after the loss to Newcastle, after the loss to West Ham United, because having another negative result, although I don't think we'd have been hugely down in the dumps, I don't think it would have been a good look, you know, given the expectations that are on our shoulders this season. No, exactly. And Declan Rice said it at the end of the game. He was like, we're Arsenal, we don't lose three games in a row. Absolutely love that mentality. But Amanda, uh, just a minute or two from you on the Sevilla game, because for me, it was like professional performance, got the job done. And now we're looking quite comfortable in the group, aren't we? Yeah, we only need one more point to qualify. But we did do a show on Sunday evening because we had to calm down from the Newcastle thing. And I wasn't calm because I lost my rag on the radio the next morning. And then Albert and I did a show last Sunday. Albert predicted 2-0 against Sevilla. And I said 2-1. So well done, Albert, for getting your prediction right. And thank you for joining me. Um, Yeah, just really what Cook said. I was quite disappointed. Uh, The atmosphere was a little bit flat, but I'm going to go into that later. Um, And they didn't really bring much. I thought Burnley brought more than Sevilla did. So... uh, yeah, pleased that we won. I mean, we needed it, definitely, definitely after we lost to West Ham, lost to Newcastle. We couldn't lose to Sevilla because then the confidence would have been absolutely short. And, um, yeah, not much else to say. We got Lons next, get a point. And, you know, we want to top the group. We want to go through as winners, that's for sure. Yeah, 100%. And do you know what? One of the things that I saw a stat beforehand that was talking about Martinelli and he'd, only, he'd gone past his, uh, his man on their right back, Sevilla right back, um, eight times. And I, I think I, I tweeted at the time, I was like, eight times? It feels like uh, he went past him about 20 times. But actually, before we get into the Burnley game, Amanda, let's talk about that as a good segue and get your views on that atmosphere. So, 
I felt it's very different this season, but couldn't put my finger on it. And I can't take credit for this. But there was a thread on Twitter the other day from someone I don't really follow. It was obviously retweeted. I read the whole thing and he's totally bang on. And every minute I'm liking each one because I thought he's so right. What he was saying was the difference last year is there was no expectation. We were riding a crest of the wave. We were enjoying every minute. As I kept saying on the podcast, enjoy every minute. We don't know when it's going to end. And we did. And we built and we built and we built up to it. This year, there's expectation. And the expectation is not really being met. A, due to injuries, a lot of that. All this issue with VAR. Also, the Ashburton Army's uh, allocation's been cut. And as much as I don't like the drum, I love them. And I did think they brought a lot to the clock end. I feel like we're not behind the boys as much as we were last year. And I, I think that he's he's nailed it. Also, look, there's a lot of thing about tourists and stuff like that. And I don't have an issue with when, when any Arsenal fan around the globe coming to the ground. Um, I really don't. So I don't have that sort of, <clears throat> oh, how can I put it, like objection to it like a lot of people do. You're an Arsenal fan, you're an Arsenal fan. But I think the expectation is so much higher that we feel like we've gone back about two or three years with the atmosphere it was better yesterday, but it wasn't as good as it was last season. Last season, I felt if a goal went in, we would be clapping them back to the centre half to the, you know, to kick off. But it's not really happening. The atmosphere isn't terrible, but it's not rocking. It's not rocking like it was last season. Mm. Cookie, I want to get your views on the atmosphere. But before I do that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you heard it here first. Amanda. Uh, wants the drum back. Amanda has said, Guma Girl 1969 has said, hashtag bring back the drum. No, bring back the Ashburn army, the amount of people they had, but never that drum. I I heard, uh, all I heard was uh, bring back back the drum. Uh, James, atmosphere before we get into the game. Thoughts? It feels very pre-COVID-y, if that makes Mm. sense. Um, I feel like there are a lot of games that I've been to as an Arsenal fan over the years and Burnley at home is definitely one where I know for a fact there hasn't been any sort of atmosphere. I feel like that probably would have been different last season. Um, Maybe not right at the start, maybe not at this stage in the season, but I certainly think later on in the season it's the sort of game where because there was so much on the line and this was all becoming so real about winning the league last season, that there certainly would have been a lot more of a raucous atmosphere, whereas yesterday it just felt very subdued. It'd be wrong to say there was no atmosphere because there was, but it wasn't, you know, to the level of City at home, for example, which is a ridiculous comparison anyway, because we're not going to hit those highs for a a little while yet. But um, it's a bit of a shame because I do think, you know, it resonates with the players when things aren't going so well, it's those little moments um, that can really get the team going. Um, I I think most poignantly, it was when Burnley equalised that last season, I really felt like we got behind the team in quite a big way. And there was always chance of Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal. Didn't really feel that when Burnley equalised. Not sure why that was. Um, It just felt like, you know, there's a certain, I don't want to say arrogance, but there is definitely an expectation of, you know, come on guys, we should win this game. We should put these to the swords. We should just be getting the three points here no matter what. So maybe that plays a part in it. I I definitely do think it is the expectation um, that's, that's around the club at the minute. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing because like you said, Amanda, last season when we were riding that wave, uh, it just, everything felt so surreal. Everything. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I mean, if you go back to the game against Bournemouth when we won 3-2 with that Reese Nelson winner, um, I still remember the atmosphere being really good in that game when we were 2-0 down because everyone mm. believed we could come back and win it. Um, maybe it's because it's Burnley at home and it's a game that we expect us to win. Uh, I hope it doesn't continue. I think as the season progresses and, you know, touch woods, we're closer to where we want to be and the football maybe gets a little bit better that we'll start to see the atmosphere improve. Um, but yeah, I I just think I just think we need to see a little bit more on the pitch as well because the first half, you've got to say, it wasn't all that exciting from our point of view. Yeah, I mean, we'll come to the first half in a second. On the, on the atmosphere thing, um, I'm actually going to reference Liverpool in this because when Liverpool first uh, had Klopp join, there was all that sort of euphoria around him and his arrival and how he changed the style and, the, you know, that kind of heavy metal football, all of that sort of stuff. And I think that the Liverpool when Klopp joined versus the Liverpool a couple a couple of years in was very, very different. Suddenly there was that expectation and all of this myth around Liverpool's fan base and the noise that they make is nonsense when they play the likes of a Burnley or a Sheffield United or a Crystal Palace at home, it's exactly the same as us. I think it's just our, as you just said, you guys have just said, it's the expectation has been raised and the fans are then like going along saying, do you know what? We expect to win this sort of game. But Chris, it's not only them. I've been to Anfield. I've said this many times. I used to, I stood at Anfield oh, once. You? You've never mentioned ever going to Anfield. It's not, not as if it's something you've mentioned on any occasion, even once. I went Ooh. the last four times in the nine, 2017, 18. And I used to stand around going, where's this atmosphere? I used to say to people around me, yeah. What, what is got what is this myth? I mean, I know Champions League it's rocking. I know that 100%. They rock all night there. But I honestly stood then it's not because they were playing us and it's silent. When they score, it changes. So but I think we're becoming a little bit like I've raved about our atmosphere to every non-Arsenal fan out there saying you wait till you come to the Emirates. It's incredible and it was last year but it's not this year. It's not terrible. It's definitely not how it was. It's just we're not used to it. It's, you're sort of sitting there going, come on the North Bank, you know, get it going. The East End Upper, where I am, we get it going. It's just I don't think anyone can really hear us that much, but we start a lot of things off up there. And the clock end, as I said, with the allocation from the Ashburton Army going down, which is outrageous, to be honest, yeah. um, that, that, that it, it, there is a change. There's definitely a change. Yeah. All right. So, Cookie, um, Burnley game. Uh, Mikel Arteta goes with uh, a 11, which is Raya, Tomiyasu, Saliba, Gabriel, uh, Zinchenko, Havertz, Jorginho, Declan Rice, Saka, Trossard, Martinelli, um, Ben White, obviously injured. General thoughts from you in terms of that lineup. I mean, I'd imagine you were a bit like me, which was. That team should be good enough to go over the line. Yeah. We've got enough there. Let's get the job done, right? Yeah, exactly that. I didn't have any qualms with the team whatsoever. And how could you really, given the injuries we had? The only one that I maybe would have changed is Vieira for Habits. Um, and I'm sure we'll get on to talk about Fabio Vieira a little bit later. But I do think this was a game where he could have had quite a lot of joy. And obviously, we've mentioned about him on previous podcasts that he started the season in such good form. And then he's kind of just drifted back into being the Fabio Vieira of old. So I would have really liked to have seen him on, on the pitch from the get-go in this game. Um, but yeah, no issues with the team lineup. I, I think, you know, defence was absolutely fine. Um, I think it's proven to be one of the best defences 
in, in the league at the minute. And when Ben White is in there and we've got Tommy Asu at left back, I mean, that back four that started against Sevilla, I think is, is absolutely fantastic for big away games. Um, but Jorginho, great in the middle of the park. Declan Rice, as enigmatic as he always is. Um, I you know, was really pleased to see Trossard start up front again because I think he's been excellent. I thought he was great against Sevilla. I think he's been excellent all season, to be honest, apart from the odd game where he's not performed that well. Um, ironically, which has come on the wing, I think when he's playing through the middle, he's just offering so much more in terms of fluidity. Any sort of central role, I don't think it... You know, I know we played him as a left eight occasionally in pre-season. I'd be really interested to see him play that role again at some point because I think just any central position... He, he just causes carnage. He's just got that ability, a bit Santa Cazorla has to keep the ball at his feet, to play the right pass, to get a shot off. I really, really like him. I think he's the perfect epitome of an Arsenal player. So, um, yeah, I realise I'm rambling on here, but I thought the team lineup was perfect and, yeah, no issues from me. Yeah, me either. I thought um, it was the right thing to do. Eddie and Ketty had stepped out, hadn't he, because of uh, the knock that he got. Uh, so he, wasn't, he, di- he, wasn't, he didn't feature against Sevilla. And Trossard... Got a very good goal in midweek, and so you've got to keep him on. Uh, the interesting one was the Ben White thing, which Arteta said afterwards that he's been carrying a knot for a while. But this is the great thing about our team, isn't it, Amanda? Like the ability to to be able to say, all right, we'll just have Tommy Asu play right back and bring Zinchenko in. And particularly for a game like this, it wasn't really that much of an issue. So can I get some thoughts from you on that first half? And I don't... I'll get your... Talk to me about your thoughts about the first half, but then also, do you have the same thing as me in that until we score the first goal against teams like this, I feel like my head constantly is saying, in my brain, I'm constantly saying to myself, it's going to be one of those days, isn't it? It's going to be one of those days, isn't it? We're going to create chances and we're just not going to score. It's going to end up being nil-nil or just one nil. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I do. If we have untold chances that hit the post, hit the bar and the goalkeeper says we didn't. So I wasn't like that. I was like, right, we need to really, really push on here. We need to get a goal early half time, you know, after half time. I didn't expect to score that late on, which was great. However, um, I, you know, when you've got Party Timber, Jesus, Erdegaard, Nias, ESR out your team, the creativity is not as good. Yeah. And I know we'll talk about Havertz. Um, It just isn't. And only, what, three, four weeks ago, we looked at our bench and went, wow, what a bench. You know, it was fantastic. Now I look at the bench and go... Oh, okay. Oh, God, right. Who? What do we? What's going to make a difference? And luckily enough, we are where we are in the league. You know, we're right in it. We're one point off qualifying for the Champions League. So things are okay. We just need to get some of them back. Obviously, Timber's not going to be back, but I want ESR back. You know, desperately want to see Party, but I know we'll talk about him later. I mean, have to get Erdogan back as quick as possible on ESR. So... I think that was the only team he could pick, had no issue with it. We were lucky it was Burnley and we weren't playing City or someone like that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I have to be honest, I thought Burnley were better than a lot of people who were saying. I must have been watching a different game because I actually thought, A, they did not park the bus, which I thought they were going to do. And B, they really went for it and they had the better chances than us first half. So I wasn't plutzing. Um, if if it would have been chance after chance after chance, that's when I plats and go, my dad always says, you don't take your chances, you don't win games. But we didn't have that many. So I just felt like it was coming. It was mainly, I suppose, if you look at the possession, it was mainly us. But no, I wasn't I wasn't that stressed, to be honest. I thought I thought we get one, we'll get two. I didn't see their equaliser coming, though. 
but they did no, come we'll... out half time all guns blazing which we didn't yeah well we'll get to that and we'll talk about the goal in a second but um we have been accused on this podcast of being too nice to each other and agreeing with each other so <laughs> i'm going to round on you there and say i disagree uh, whoever that were person was a few weeks ago that was like, oh, you're not interesting enough. You you just agree with each other. Well, I disagree with you, Amanda. Guna Girl, 1969, on the way that Burnley set up because I was expecting a progressive Burnley. And James, I'll bring you in, in, in on this in a second for your thoughts as well. But I was expecting a progressive Burnley, a Burnley that's going to be a little bit more offensive than they were. And what I saw, certainly for the first 35 minutes, I mean, I agree with you that they had the two best, but they had some of the good chances. Like there was a David Raya save. There was quite a comfortable Raya save. But also we had like the Saka incident, which I'll talk about in a minute because it yeah. leads to the Gabrielle stuff. But there was also a Martinelli shot and a Saka shot. But for me, it was a, it was quite a bit, it was a little bit of low block FC. James, are you, are you on my side of the fence or are you with Amanda's side of the fence? I think you can both be right. I think you can play a low block, but I also think you can play good football at the same time when you have the opportunity to do so. And that's exactly what I thought they did. When they got forward, I thought they pinged the ball around quite nicely. I thought they're two wide men. Every time they got forward, I thought they were rapids. Like the guy they had on their left-hand side, I thought he was really giving Tommy Astor a few problems, as was evidenced on the goal that they scored. Um, and the guy they had on the other side as well, Vitinha, I thought he was causing quite a few problems. And then, you know, you've got a big bloke like Jay Rodriguez through the middle. Um, on the counter, they did they did pose a threat and they had four shots on target in that first half. And you've got to say, you know, at the Emirates Stadium, um, that's not great against a side like Bernie when we've been keeping teams to, you know, 0.003 or whatever XG. So, yeah. um, I mean, I, w- I would caveat that by saying a lot of those shots were from outside the box. Some of them were really comfortable saves for David Raya. So, you know, that's where stats can be a bit misconstrued. But there was that really good opportunity they had where Goodmanson should absolutely have put that away. Yeah, um, it's a great good. save from David Raya, but there's not enough mm-hmm. power on the shot. So it was quite comfortable in the end, but a better striker takes that. And that, that was a slight cause for concern. Um, but I don't think they were awful. I think in the second half, after we scored, um, it was just one-way traffic. And even when we went down to 10 men, um, you know, we let them have the ball and they just didn't do anything with it, to be quite honest. So, um, yeah, I thought they, they were good in glimpses, um, but, but you've got to be realistic. They are... They are still, for me, a championship side. You know, they've not invested a huge amount over the summer. I think there's a reason why they're keeping Vincent company because you can you can definitely see what they're trying to do. Um, and I think, you know, they are, they could be one of the teams that turn it around late in the season. But I think they've got to invest in January because they do have gaping holes in that squad. They're just too easy to play against. That's the one thing I'd say against about them. They're just way too easy to play against. Um, but, you know... They're a project. Um, I think company's got all the credentials to be a good manager, but I think unless they sign in a couple of key areas, I mean, they shouldn't be having Jay Rodriguez as their striker in 2023. Let me put it that way. Um, So they need to go and and invest in January. And who knows? They could be a surprise. Yeah. And just to back up your point that you you talked about earlier, like their XG in the first half alone was 0.18. So, yeah, they created four chances, but they were all pot shots from distance. So in reality, it wasn't as much. And just for context for us, we had 10 shots in that first half. We only had three on target to their four, um, but we had a 0.94. So a lot of that, though, does come from the goal that we scored, Amanda. And Actually, no, before we do the goal, no, let's do the goal, but then we'll come back to Saka. Um, right on half time, um, 
good header from Saka that then Trossard knocks in at the back post and uh, the plutzing stopped. Yeah, I was fine. <laughs> I was fine. I, I, I plutzed when they they got an equaliser because I thought, oh, God, the crowd going to lift them and all that. Um, yeah, no, it was nice to go in at half-time at that. Um, and I, I think we need to talk about Zinchenko because I think both James and I have not gone on and gone in on him lately, but we've not been that impressed. I was so impressed with Zinchenko yesterday. And maybe you could say it was only Burnley. I mean, yeah, we'd get about his goal, but I just thought he was absolutely brilliant yesterday. Um, I, I loved watching him yesterday. It felt like the Zinchenko of last year. Um, however, it was lovely to go in 1-0 at half time, that's for sure. But not impressed when they came out second half. Really wasn't. Yeah, well, uh, James, let's. I'll, I'll let you. I'll bring you in on the Zinchenko stuff then. And just for context, over the ninety minutes. So I know this is Sofa Score, so it's a subjective view. But Sofa Score had the two best players on Arsenal's team for the entire match, as uh, Zinchenko and then also Trossard, um, both on both got eight point nine. But do you want to do a minute or two on Zinchenko and also talk about the goal? Yeah, I mean, I've been quite open in saying this season that I've had concerns over Zinchenko and I have thought at times, I think, I can't remember what game it was, but it was definitely a game this season where I felt it was time to maybe, you know, look at alternatives to Zinchenko. And I think we've seen that evidenced internally by having Tommy Asu come into the fold for some of those games away from home. However, what I would say about Zinchenko is this is the perfect game for him, the type of game at home, similarly to Sheffield United, where we're going to dominate the ball, have a lot of possession, create a lot of opportunities. And he just doesn't have to worry about defending because, let's be honest, that's not what he is. That's not his role. And he played the majority of that game in midfield yeah. yesterday. You've just got to see where he popped up for the goal. And he was a 9 out of 10 at a minimum. He was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, if we can keep him you know, wrapped up for these sort of games where we just need to make those breakthroughs, need to have that cutting edge. He's your man because he's absolutely fantastic at it. And I'm just so excited for when we get Yuri and Timber back because I think he's such a similar type of player in the way that, you know, he can break the lines, he can make things happen. So to have players like that who can, you know, play out from the back and, and go into midfield and just make things happen at will, yeah, really excited. I do definitely think there's still a place for him, you know, in this team, especially for games like this. And the goal he scores, I mean, the technique to do that is just absolutely outrageous to get yourself in the air, to fling your foot at it and to also place it <laughs> so far away from the keeper that it goes in. Um, yeah, massive props to him. And he deserved it. He definitely deserved that goal. Yeah, and I think that contributes towards this overall sort of performance. Uh, I'm with you, though, Cookie, because for me, this felt like a Zinchenko game. Burnley at home feels like a Zinchenko game. You're going to have all ball. You're going to have all the possession. You need a person that's technically... Chris? Cookie, you still there? Been a while since this has happened. Yeah, I was worried it was my internet. <laughs> no, so did I. I think Chris has just frozen for a little bit. So... We talk about we've just spoken about Zinchenko. I'll carry on for a little bit, and then uh, hopefully Chris will come back in and come back out, uh, come back out and come back in again. But Chris has frozen slightly. Um, so yeah, both you and I had concerns about Zinchenko, but both of us thought he could play great. And that goal, what a scissor kick! It was absolutely beautiful, wasn't it? Absolutely lovely. Um, I'm just going to take Chris out because it's <laughs> it's probably a, a little bit scary, bit... though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll just leave it as us two until he comes back in. Um, we have not frozen. We are still here, but it's thrown me because I'm not the host tonight. Um, I wanted to talk to you actually about Saliba. Do you remember a few weeks ago I said to you, someone said, oh, he's like world class. And I said, no, 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 not yet, not yet. I will hold my hands up, oh, Christopher's back, that Saliba is world class. I That boy can do no wrong in my eyes. And Declan Rice as well. Oh, my God, what players we've got. So, Christopher, you're back. Yeah, I do apologise. Um, we just I'm went on my, to Saliba. <laughs> I'm around my parents at the moment, and obviously their internet is back in the dark ages because it's obviously just <laughs> died on me. Um, well, I, I did want to talk. Uh, so, well, let's talk about Saliba. Um, I don't. I'm running out of superlatives for that guy. Like every single week, it's going to come to a point where I'm actually going to. I'm actually going to start not talk. We'll, we'll start not talking about him because we just expect brilliance from him we expect him to win last ditch tackles we expect him to make things look easy but that guy is absolutely immense um do you mind if just before we go into the second half do you mind if we talk about the Saka stuff and I don't want to trigger Amanda so I'm going to start with James and then I'll go on to Amanda but can somebody please explain to me how because there was an incident in the first half the ball comes in and Saka puts his hands up I mean, he does touch the defender, but he puts his hand up. The defender, Burnley defender, number 30, I can't remember his name, throws his hands in the air, Saka heads it, and then it heads back towards the goal. And it's the Burnley defender that heads it back. And whether or not it goes over the line or not, I don't know. But the foul was called. James, please explain to me the difference between Saka putting his hands up and lightly touching a Burnley defender compared to Gabriel last week. Because frankly... I'm now confused. I can't answer that one for you, mate. I'm very sorry. And it just seems to be that they're making it up as they go along. Um, you know, I, I, obviously I wasn't on the podcast last week to discuss the post-Newcastle one, but um, out of all those incidents that happened in the build-up to that Newcastle goal, the Joe Linton push on Gabriel was the most stark. It was the most obvious out of every single thing that could have possibly happened that would have resulted in that goal being ruled out. And, you know, the guy Saka was going up against was you know considerably bigger than him. He wasn't putting anywhere near enough force with his hands to push him over. And we're being told that that is now a foul. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't get my head around it, mate. It's just, uh, it's just ludicrous. And if you look at some of the, calls that are being made in the game that's just gone against in a uh, City-Chelsea game. I mean, I don't know if you saw, they were looking for that elbow from Haaland on the goal that he scored as the ball is kind of following him into the net. Like, what what are you looking for there to try and rule that goal out? Um, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, the state of officiating is just so poor, so, so poor at the moment. But um, thankfully, it wasn't at hand to see us not get a good result yesterday. Yeah, I can and we tell you why. I can Amanda. tell you Go why. Go on, Amanda. I can tell you why because they were both go two footed in there, Amanda. <laughs> because they were both fouls. So Saka's rightly called. He's pushed him in the penalty area, and Joe Linton was riding Gabrielle. Um, and I, I, I still, and I, you know, normally I get over it in twenty four hours. I just let it go. I even ranted on the radio and hundreds have listened to it and the Newcastle fan was absolutely ridiculous Chris because I said to him if that goal was given against you if that was against you you would be up in arms and any football fan would he said no I wouldn't it's absolute rubbish 
any football fan watching that goal for their team would have said it was a foul on their defender. Saka, it was a foul. It's the inconsistency and the fact that you've got four options last week against Newcastle and not one of them. If the ball's not out, if it's not offside, if it's not um, handball, you are riding his back. I've got a picture of him holding his neck down and on his back. And at the end of the day, I had so many non-Arsenal fans come to me and go, how was that given? So it is what it is, but Saka's was, it was a push. And to me, it was a foul. So unfortunately, it is what it is. It is it what is it is. What and it... we can go on about it forever. And it's going to be one of those things that that's going to be the, the, the thing of the season that I'm definitely going to be mentioning at the end of the season, because I'm fuming about it still. I get over it. And, you know, Newcastle fans are coming at me going, oh, cry more, cry more. Yeah. I mean... It was. And I, we got. Like, but the, the thing is, Chris, on that right, he accused us of time wasting. I said, we never. We're time wasting. Nil, nil, one. We're never going to time waste. Yeah, apparently they time wasted most of the game yesterday. Just saying. Yeah. What a surprise. Well, they got karma yesterday, didn't they? they and Carl Fern said karma struck back against Newcastle this week. Yeah, so, good, yeah. Shout, good shout, Carl. And just before we move <clears> on, that Joe Linton, the more and more I look at it, and it literally almost looks like a sex move, what he's doing with uh, with Gabriel. <laughs> but we'll move on from that. Let's talk about let's talk about uh, the equaliser, James Burnley. Not really. I mean, they had one or two chances, but doesn't it feel like I think I saw an Albino stat, which was like the goals that Arsenal have scored in the last four games. It was almost uh, it like the last few games has been like dodgy well, mishit uh, cross, you know, a dodgy penalty, um, a VAR contentious decision. And then yesterday's one, it was a bit spawny, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it came out of nothing really, didn't it? Um, Burnley, you know, in that second half anyway, I mean, I know we didn't come exactly flying out the blocks, but I didn't feel like they, you know, really offered much of a threat. But yeah, just that that, that tricky wing on their left-hand side, uh, his name eludes me, but getting past Tommy Yasu, um, you know, I, I thought when it went in that it was going to go to VAR for a foul. Um, at the time, I thought it was a foul, but looking back, I think it's, it's very much a 50-50. And I've not really got any complaints there. And I think just Tommy Yasu is a bit too easily bypassed, unfortunately. It's the, the only real mistake he's made um, of recent times. But, um, I mean, they're quite fortunate with the finish. And, um, yeah, 1-1. But, I mean... Thankfully, it wasn't a problem because we, we went to score three minutes later. So, um, look, I mean, there's not too much to say on it. But, uh, you know, the man at the moment, William Saliba, um, coming in with that header to make it 2-1. And I've got to say as well, I love the corners we were doing yesterday, just plopping them right on top of Trafford. Just every single yeah. time, they just seem to be causing him so many problems. Such a simple move, but it was so effective. Um, so, yeah, sorry if I've accidentally taken your uh, your glory by talking about the second goal. No, do it. Amanda, talk talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on that, because do you know what? I, I wrote about this this morning in the blog. What I've really loved in the last 18 months is our ability. And I, it may only have been two or three games, but it feels like we've done it a lot of times. Uh, we A team levels up against us and we instantly hit back. Like It's a really powerful thing to be able to do, isn't it? Oh, no, it is. Because because it's confidence, and I just wish the crowd was like last year. Um, it 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 gets so exciting when we like we're willing them on, but they're willing them on themselves. So the confidence is there. They're a fantastic unit. You can't deny that. I mean, they, you know, like when you when you have a work, you know, you're at work in a big office, 
and everyone's together, but there's always a few that's not. I don't feel like that with our squad. I feel like they're all for one. I, I, and I still truly believe Ramsdale's like that with Raya as well. Um, Saliba, I don't know what else I can say. I mean, the boy gets better and better every single game. And how much is he worth? And, and, and Rice as well. I mean, God, I could wax lyrical about Declan Rice all night. Um, beautiful to see him score. Big boy, isn't he? Just literally got to the position where he wanted to in front of that goal. He couldn't care less about the defender on him. Bang, straight in. Lovely. Yeah, love it. absolutely love it. Strong, powerful. Yeah. And, and the, the great thing about him is at both ends of the pitch, he's an asset to us. Like he's shown that at both ends of the pitch, he's a he's a he's a good and effective player for us, James. So we're two. Can I up. just say something? Um, yeah, no, crack on. People are all watching the ladies' game in the yeah. chat room, and apparently, I think we're winning four two when it was two all. So uh, yeah, everyone's saying big up to the ladies. So big up to the, the ladies who will go second this evening, I believe, if uh, if the victory is confirmed. So fingers crossed. And, yeah, hope. Good on the Arsenal, uh, the Arsenal women. Uh, Mr. Cook, so you mentioned it earlier. Uh, Zinchenko drops a scissor kick on us and he run down to our corner, well, my corner in block five. And honestly, a lot of relief. I've got to say I had a lot of relief, after, particularly after Burnley got that equaliser. It's like, well, we're 2-1 up. We need to sort of finish this now. Um, Zinchenko did the business for us. And again, proving his value, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I've already spoken about um, how good the goal was and it was absolutely brilliant technique. But again, it came from that that corner technique of just plopping the ball straight on top. I think it was Sleeper again with the header that just came off the top of the crossbar, yep. came back. Yep. They tried to hoof it out, forces Inchenko. Um, it's really poor from Burnley, actually, not to get that ball away. But he just takes you know that opportunity, puts it in the back of net. And yeah, 3-1, just a big sigh of relief. We're able to make those changes, see the game out. But as we know, and I'm sure we'll get on to, there was a little something that happened just after that, which didn't make it quite as comfortable as I think we would have liked in the end. Well, I'm going to stick with you then. Let's talk about the Fabio Vieira thing, because in real time, it doesn't actually, and obviously I didn't see it because I was in the ground. So when I saw it just play out live, I just thought, oh, you know, he's a little bit late now. Guy seems to have gone down a bit easier. It was only when I got home later that I saw that, in fact, he doesn't catch him like heavy it just sort of grazes past him but you can't put your you can't put your foot up that high um you can apparently elbow people in the face that's okay but <laughs> you can't put your foot up that high and I'll be honest with you I looked at that and was like it's probably a red to be honest with you, you can't you can't go in that high and not expect that right yeah I mean it's the challenge of someone that doesn't know how to make a challenge and yeah. I think it was a real nightmare for Fabio Vieira yesterday because he came on barely touched the ball with his one contribution he goes and gets sent off and that's a big problem for him because you know we've not got the Carabao Cup anymore and um, obviously his limits are going to be fairly limited you'd imagine until we get back into the FA Cup you know he might get that game against PSV he might get some time against Lons um, you would hope he would because he's not going to get an opportunity in the Premier League now at least for the next three games and if you look yeah. at our next three games, okay, you know, we, we should be okay to get by without him. I, I mean, you know, I'd be quite confident in saying we, we will be. I mean, who have we got? Brentford, Luton, um, and there's another team in there that Wolves. we should be. Wolves, Wolves, yeah. at Wolves at home, yeah. So that's by no means, none of those are easy games, but, you know, we should be okay. At least we're not coming up against 
Man City, United and Spurs, for example. So I feel pretty um, pretty okay with him being out. But at the same time, we, we are light in midfield. You know, we've got no Smith Rowe. We've got no Thomas Partey. We've got no Martin Erdegaard at the minute. And you would hope that at least one of Smith Rowe and Erdegaard will be back post-international break. But it's just another player being out that we really didn't need. Like, he's just such... Mm. It's just so, so unnecessary. He just didn't need to make that challenge. Um, yeah, I mean, as James Johnson says in the chat, it's just really silly. And... I think it just, you know, is. I think it's significant for him because he's just not getting enough minutes this season. And last season, he was just so out of the team. Minutes were so hard to come by for him. And he just put himself even further down the pecking order now. So in the terms of the bigger picture, I do worry a little bit for what this means in terms of Fabio Vieira actually staking a claim at Arsenal. Is, you know, as drastic as that sounds. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting? It's... Three games is a lot right now. It feels like it's quite a, a lot of an opportunity that is missed out, particularly with the injuries that we've got. And you would think that with the international break coming up, if Smith Rowe can get back to fitness, I mean, I don't know what's happening with Thomas Party, but I appreciate it's not the same position, but it does feel like this could be quite a big blow for him. Uh, Amanda, I want to get Amanda to talk about her, just get her thoughts on the uh, Fabio Vieira, whether he had any complaints. But just before I do that, uh, as I said, right at the top of the show, we are sponsored by Ruth Beck Art. So make sure that you check out her website and uh, get all of your Guna merch for particularly for Christmas involved. So uh, also, if you've got any questions, we are about 45 minutes in, we're going to give it enough five, six minutes, and then we'll go into some questions. So if anyone's got any questions, Amanda is starring them and she will read out them out in about about five minutes but Amanda Fabio Vieira did you have any complaints did you have any complaints in real time or was it uh afterwards when you saw it that you thought actually it's hard isn't it because you don't get to see it in the ground and then I, yeah. I saw something on social media um I you know we're we're not biased if that I would never sit here and go doesn't deserve it it was a red <laughs> so he's got to go no argument from me whatsoever get off the pitch it's not it's not a vicious tackle. It's late. He shouldn't have done it. And yeah, he has it's such a shame for him as well as us because he would have been playing regularly because we don't have anyone. Um I'm disappointed. Um but these things happen. It wasn't intentional. He didn't want to injure anyone. You could tell anyway, because I sit east upper. It was just in front of me, but the east lower went, ooh like that and you just know and it and straight away I'm looking at the ref he's gone to his back pocket I said to Carl it's a red got no arguments it was just a red for me so uh, it, it's when it's not it drives me insane but no yeah it was a red yeah. all day long yeah exactly I think it's one of those where we've all just got to say it is what it is um yeah. and again it's not like he's come steaming in like he's no. come at 100 miles an hour and steaming in it's one of those as I think someone said in the chat silly boy he was a silly boy, but ultimately it didn't impact us that much. We were able to see out the last sort of 15 odd minutes and we get the three points, which takes us up to 27 points and puts us, well, at the time it put us joint top. We're now level on points with Liverpool. I think they've got a one goal advantage on us in terms of goal difference and City obviously picking up the point tonight away from home, which I don't know if someone said this in the chat, but also, as much as we were frustrated with our 2-2 draw against Chelsea uh, with the way that we played, we've effectively, it's, it's a, we've, we've made par against, uh, to use a golfing terminology, we've made par with what City have done at Stamford Bridge. So ultimately, you can't complain too much. Um, so that's good stuff. Uh, 
any final thoughts or or do you want to talk uh, Amanda I'll start off with you should we talk about uh, what's coming up with Arsenal in the coming weeks um, and things that we're doing before we get into questions yeah, I mean, we've got the Interzol next weekend. We haven't got any shows planned, but that doesn't mean anything. A good guest could come up and me and Cooks or me and whoever will have a chat about the Arsenal. So you're best off subscribe, press the bell, and you're never going to miss anything, which is good, or on audio as well. Um, but I, I would like to ask you to a question, and I think we should go to the questions because we've got so yeah, go many, is where would we be now if we had a fully fit squad? With Party, Timber, Jesus, Erdegaard, and ESR, I think we'd be top. Cooks. Well, I mean, we're not far off top, are we? So I don't think no. we can complain too much. But I think in those little moments against the likes of Newcastle to have Party and Jesus, I just think it needs to be them two. Just Party and Jesus for Newcastle away could have been something that makes a difference. Um, it is frustrating, and it's, it's obviously not just them that are missing, but Erdegaard being out, Timber being out. These these are such big players that could really make a difference for us. And I think you've got to say, although we've been a little bit frustrated at times with how the football has been, and we felt it's been a little bit boring, a bit repetitive, not as exciting as it was last season, just take into context the amount of injuries that we have got and just how hard it is to maintain, you know, a really good rhythm, a really good way of playing whilst, you know, key men like Jesus, like Thomas Partey are out of the squad for long periods of time. Even Martinelli was injured earlier on in the season. So to be where we are, you know, really handily placed in both the Premier League and the Champions League, OK, we've lost the Carabao Cup, but to be in the two kind of elite competitions in a really good place, I'm really happy with that, given the injuries. And I just hope that... You know, particularly Jesus and Erdegaard, we get them back soon. Same for Smith Rowe. You know, if we could get Partey back for the last 16 of the Champions League, I think that'd be really handy. Um, but one player I do actually want to shout out that I really think has come into his own recently is Jorginho. Um, in, in the absence of Thomas Partey, I think, again, he was excellent yesterday. I thought he was excellent against Sevilla. I still think away from home um, against tougher opposition. When we played Chelsea, I thought he was poor. But again, similarly to Zinchenko, where we're going to have a lot of the ball, we're going to dominate. You don't want anyone else in your in, in your team. Um, he's just that good on the ball. He was fantastic against Sevilla, fantastic again yesterday. And um, it's good to see, you know, because he, he does divide opinion. But at the minute, he's he's doing the business. And for what is essentially your third choice central midfielder, you can't really ask for much better than him. Did you see him, though, when he went off the pitch and he was literally, like, screaming at the players on the pitch as Poking. he was walking along? Yeah. And then he ends up, in Vincent Company's box and, and and going at the players again and it was brilliant and I, I'm sure Company went what are you doing this is because he was obviously walking off to to go and sit down I, I I'm I'm really impressed with Jorginho I mean that pass the other day was just exquisite I call it football porn that pass I thought yesterday he was good I don't have an issue with Jorginho I think Havertz might be something that I don't know what you both feel, but maybe we should just go to the question. Yeah, there, there's yeah, a question I, on habits. I'll, I'll, can I just jump in just with what you said? So where would we be if we didn't have all of the injuries? One of the things I think I might do over the international break, I might actually write a piece. Um, if you go into transfer, anyone can do this, but if you go into, tra if you go into transfer marks, you can actually see like players that have missed specific games. You can see the entire squad and the match days and the matches they've missed. I might check that out because I feel like we've had a massive amount compared to a fair there's been a fair few lot lot of injuries that many uh clubs have faced but it feels like we've certainly suffered from it um second thing i was gonna say we would absolutely be top and uh, even if i can just mm. isolate one game the second half against tottenham 
Declan Rice comes off injured. And if Declan Rice stays on that pitch, Jorginho doesn't make the mistake. Declan Rice, I'm I'm 100% sure, doesn't make that mistake. I think we win that game 2-1. So there, right there is one point to three points. We'd be two points better off. We'd be one point clear of Man City. So I definitely think we'd be top. The final thing I want to mention just before we go to the questions, which uh, is not Arsenal related at all, is James Cook, your, your chair... Looks like it's got a massive cushion. It looks like the most comfy chair ever. Can you just move it to one side so I can see it? I've got a some foam over your, your, your <laughs> chair. Just move to one my side. So I can oh, my chair. Look at that. That's some, that is that is some elite Lovely. chairing, boys and girls. That is some elite chairing we've got going on. Amanda, 50 I quid. I'm going off on a tangent. Let's go on to let's go on to some questions. I was going to say something then, and I've completely forgotten. But let's go. You're on to thinking questions. about his chair, aren't you? Just like me. No, I wasn't. You threw me, and at my age, you get brain fog. So God knows it will come back. Right, let's stick with Havertz. Okay, so thank you, Carl Stark, for your question. Are we done with the Havertz experiment yet, or do we still need to give him some more time? Oh God. Oh. <laughs> Hard uh, it's really tough, that one. Really tough. I think I'm trying to compare it to when we first signed Martin Odegaard. And I think in those first six months with us when he was on loan, you know, he, he I don't want to say he was at the same level that Habits is performing now, but he certainly wasn't at the level that he is now. And I think yesterday was just another one of those games from Habits where it was, he's not done anything great. He's not done anything terrible. He's just kept the ball ticking over. But you want to see more from a guy that you spent 65 million quid on. And I'll maintain that I think that there were better ways we could have spent that money. Um, you know, for a guy that's in a position to score goals, provide assists, one assist, albeit against Manchester City, which is great. And one goal from the penalty sport, which is kind of given to him out of sympathy, is not good enough. It's just not good enough. Let's be honest. I mean, Jack was performing better numbers last season. And I just really worried across all competitions, he's not going to even hit double figures, which would be terrible to be quite honest it'd be a really terrible return um so i'm giving him the season absolutely i'm giving him the season um but i still worry you know in the biggest of big games if we were to play that midfield free that we saw yesterday i i don't think it's good enough um to be quite honest i just think he's he just doesn't offer enough going forward but i do think in an uh, in a sense of pressing and you know work rate i'm not going to dig him out there. I think he does that, but I just want to see more. I just want to see more from him in attacking sense. There's nothing about him that gets me excited at the minute. Go on, Chris. Well, I, one of the things I would say is that we signed Martin Odegaard in January of like on loan. Uh, so if you think we signed Havertz in, let's just call it, I know it was before that, but he's had August, September, October, November, four months. So if you think about Odegaard joined January, February, March, April, when was it that he had that West Ham game where he absolutely bossed it in the 3-3 Erdegaard I'm talking about? So Erdegaard had already delivered the type of performance that makes us all go, wow, we haven't seen that from Havertz. So that's the only bit I'd add on to uh, what Cookie is, uh, is saying. I'm, I'm a bit like the ladies in this. I feel bad. You know, I, I can't see it. I can't see what he brings. I want to give him a chance. I think he's lost his confidence yesterday. He should have had a, a quite a few times. He should have shot and he didn't. And I just, I don't know what it is. I, I don't get excited, I'm afraid. Um, but I'm hoping that we're all wrong. You know, we always support everybody that puts on an Arsenal jersey. But I don't see what he brings, if I'm honest. He doesn't, he's not, he's not terrible. 
but we need someone who can put the ball in the back of the net in the position he's playing and he can't um and i honestly i i know but i can't say he's rubbish i don't i that's not how i speak i i keep thinking arteta must know what he's doing there must be something so anyway um i think we're just gonna have to wait on seeing that one and see what's in the next couple of months john Rowe, can we now accept the raya is first choice and get behind him I think that's already happened, isn't it? I think I've, I've, done. I don't want it to be. I, I really, with all my heart and soul, I really want Arteta to have been telling the truth when he said there are two number ones because I love the idea of managing the risk of if one gets injured, we've got another number one. But that's not the case anymore. No, and I, you know what, I, I actually fell into that trap because I was like, this is great. Arteta's saying he's going to rotate goalkeepers. This is going to be fantastic. I fell into that trap. I really was quite naive, and then he's not rotated him, and we're going to see him against Brentford only because <laughs> Ray is not allowed to play. Hmm. Cookie, yeah, it's I an think... opportunity for him, isn't it? Yeah, to, to kind of stake a claim. If he keeps a clean sheet, plays well, you, you would hope he gets a look in for the game after that because we've got Lons after that. So if he could maybe get a little run going and play in that game, you know, anything could happen. Anything could happen. But I think the goalkeeper situation that game is... We said cookie, didn't we? I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm not, and none I'm not of holding it was my breath fault. on it. I, I, but, no, God. I don't think it will happen. Shame. I think Raya is the undisputed number one now, unfortunately. I say, okay, unfortunately, so... he was good yesterday. He, he was good. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't, yeah, yeah. I mean, his distribution was good yesterday, I must admit, but I just miss Ramsdale. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, Irv Tom Tom joined us before we even joined the show. He was in the chat room, so his was the first question I've starred. Trossard is a much better footballer than Eddie. Do we reckon Mikel will go with him in the absence of Jesus in future? Chris? Uh, Agree. He is definitely technically a better footballer. But Mikel loves Eddie, and I think he wants to give him as much opportunity as possible. I think Trossard was decent yesterday. He got a goal, of course, and he, he was good against Sevilla. So I think that might have that might give Arteta license to play him a little bit more. I rate yeah. more. I rate Trossard higher than Inquietier, and I would definitely do it. Cooks. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the team we're playing. I thought against Sheffield United, Eddie was fine, um, but I think. For a lot of games, Trossard is just technically better. He links the play better. He's a lot more fluid. He brings our wingers into the game a lot more. He's just a better footballer, if I'm being completely honest. But that's not to say Eddie is a bad one. It's just particular game states, particular moments. Eddie is sometimes the guy you want on the pitch. But Trossard is just... um, I think in any four position, Trossard is great. You know, I think... If he can get into central areas, I think that's where he performs and, and creates the most damage. So if it was up to me, um, I would play him there. But I'm still of the opinion that I would like to see Havertz play there at some point because I still think his best performance came against City in the Community Shields when he was pl- uh, playing up top. Yamara, welcome to the show. Loving your comments tonight. Oh, lovely. Um, who is our most underrated player so far? Cooks. I'm going to go with Gabriel. Um, oh, my God. That's what I was just about to say. We should yeah, not think, agree. This is not good. Yeah, I think just, just because we're not really talking about him that much this season because yeah. he's just delivering consistent 8 out of 10s week in, week out. And, you know, it's, it's easy to forget that he was a guy that we were talking about potentially going to the Saudi League, you know, back in August when he wasn't getting in the team. 
can't believe I still can't believe we were playing Partey at right back and Gabriel wasn't getting in the sides. But anyway, he's back in the team. He's playing brilliantly, and um, because he's just so consistent, he's going under the radar week in week out. So for me, he he is our unsung hero at the minute. Yeah, I would say, I would, mine was Gabriel. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I would just say if it's not Gabriel, it's Ben White. But like we've talked about this before. So next question. Mm, someone else agreed with you. Young Fiona said Ben White is as well. Right, let's see what else we've got. Okay. Another one from Carl. How good are our chances in the league considering we're keeping pace with City and Liverpool and haven't been able to play our first choice 11 all season? Um, I don't personally think we're going to win the league this year. Um, however, I do think Carl thinks we are. So, Cooks, do you, where do you see it at the moment? Uh, if I'm winning it, if I'm being totally honest, from what I've seen so far, I don't think we're at the level to win the league. Um, but I could say the same about City and Liverpool. You know, from from what I've seen of them, am I convinced that they're going to win the league? I don't know. I think it's just we all know in the back of our minds that at some point City are going to do what they always do and just be imperious for a couple of months on end. And that's what it will take to win the league. Um, you know, we've already got that result against Man City, which is something that we haven't done in so many seasons gone by. If we go to the Etihad, whenever we play them there and get a result there, then I'll probably start to believe a bit more. But I think it all depends on where we are around March, April time. If we're still in contention, you know, if we're you know leading the pack or a couple points in it, then I'll certainly start to believe a bit more. But at the minute, I, I don't know. I just need I need us to click a little bit more. I definitely don't think the injuries are helping, but um, it will be telling if we can get Partey back after, you know, the Africa Cup of Nations. Um, that could be a big boost towards the second half of the season. If we get Timber back, you know, anything can happen in those last few months. But um, I think, Chris, I might have seen it from you not too long ago, but on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, um, the Champions League actually looks like the easier competition to win at the minute. And I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yep. I feel like the same thing because um, the thing is, is that you know, we could Man City are clearly probably the best team in Europe. It only takes Man City to play a Barcelona or a Bayern Munich and get knocked out, have an off day and then for us to get through. Whereas it just feels like City are just relentless. I feel a lot more at ease when we're playing in the Champions League than I do in the Premier League. So it just feels like you can't step up. Like even tonight, Man City weren't great, but they were still smashing in goals and they still probably should have won it. And it feels like it's a lot harder for us to win games than it is for Man City. So my gut feel, yeah, is that it's probably going to be City. I actually think Liverpool are looking really good as well, unfortunately. But there we go. OK, Karen Russell, do you think the goal should have stood due to the foul on Tommy Esso? I think we covered that, didn't we? Which was kind of a, yeah. we thought it it's, it should have, yeah, we can't complain too much about it, can we? No, I didn't think so. Thank you for your question, Karen, though. Daniel Jesse, who should we be looking at as a party replacement? A lot of talk about this, isn't there? He's not fit enough, is he? I, I personally think it's time to go. We need someone in that can actually play regularly with Declan Rice. But who would you think the replacement could be, young Christopher? I uh, don't know enough about European football to give just chuck out names, but the, I can tell you the type of player that I want, which is a progressive passer. We don't need a, you know, a smash into, you know, defenders or attack. We don't need to smash into attackers, defensive midfielder. What we need is somebody who can line break pass like Party does, but can actually stay fit. So what I'd be looking at is, oh, ironically, if you can find somebody like 
the problem with Jorginho when I when he, we signed him was I was thinking in transition he's a nightmare because he just gets run past and I didn't see enough because I don't watch I didn't watch enough Chelsea of his progressive passing but against Sevilla brilliant pass to set in Saka so somebody like Jorginho that's 23 24 that's got a bit more pace about him and a bit more upper body strength I'd say if we can get someone like that I'd be all right with that I think Phil Macker's got a point, hasn't he? Party was said to be such a big, big signing, but we've never seen him for long enough, have we, Kirks? We get a good few games and then he's injured again. Yeah, I didn't realise he'd only made something like four appearances for us this season, which is just pitiful, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. And look, I'm not, I'm not going to blame him for being injured. That's the last thing I want to do. But, you know, in a, in a sport where you need players to be reliable, to build a team that goes on to win things. Um, it's just not good enough from our point of view. And I think last season, he probably had his most fit season for us. And there were even times then when he missed, you know, a few few spells of games. And we know he missed City at home. And that's where Jorginho came in. And OK, he was OK in that game. But again, it's one way you want parties to be fit for. And for me, I tweeted about this the other day. But for me, he, he's finished at Arsenal. I, I don't want him to be here next season. And I mean that in the you know most candid of ways. I just don't see a future with him at Arsenal. You know, he's going to be 31 next year. Um, I still think, you know, he might have more years in him, but not in the Premier League, not at Arsenal. We just need someone that can be there, give us a minimum of 30 games in the Premier League, allow Declan Rice to play in that left eight role, do what he does best, because he's playing in that left eight role more and more and more, uh, which is something we spoke about earlier, which is exactly where I want him to see. For me, we just need a more physical version of Jorginho. Someone like Zubamendi could be a good option, but I'm sure there's plenty of others out there. Douglas Luiz is a name that's been talked about a lot recently. Just someone that can, you know, chip in with a goal or two, break through the lines, but also have the defensive now to remain back and break up play when it needs to be done. A more physical Jorginho. That's the best way I can put it. But um, yeah, oh. sadly, Partey for me is is done. Or a fit Partey. <laughs> Someone who's just fit would be nice. Um, another question from young Carl. Is Ramsdale off in January? We need the funds and he needs playing time. I think we can answer this one really quickly. No. Arteta's not going to sell him. Ramsdale might want to go. Arteta won't do it because we'd have to find another keeper. So I think the answer is no. We can move on. Unless Cookie's got a different opinion. Oh, I think no as well. Yeah, it's no for me. Yeah, okay. Um... <laughs> Right. I don't know who this player is, and I'm going to be honest. There have been rumours of Julian Brandt coming in January. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? He's quite injury prone, and he's been quite injury prone. And also, let's be honest, um, we were linked with him about four or five years ago. This ain't going to happen. This feels like, uh, who's the guy that went to, German guy who went to PSG, who we were linked to for years and years and Traxler. years? Draxler. It feels a bit like a Draxler. Oh, God. Draxler. Yeah, I remember him. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Emerson. Let's get Emerson's question up. Hi, Emerson. What are your views with the academy players being in the squad for the last two matches? I think it's good. I mean, unfortunately, we've had to, but I don't see anything wrong with that. Let them step up. Let them get a taste for the first team. Cooks? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's been done out of... Um necessity rather than you know luxury yeah. hasn't it um but 
I would like to see them get some minutes. You know, I think uh, Klopp's quite good at doing this, where I know obviously they were winning 3-0 today, but they brought on a couple of academy players with a couple of minutes to spare. I just think it does them the world of good, just gives them a sense of confidence. Obviously, we couldn't do that against Burnley, but I do think there are certain game states, you know, against Sheffield United, for example, where we could probably have brought someone on that, you know, is just breaking into the first team or is just coming out of the academy. Um, so, yeah, I think it's great. Um, okay, couple more questions and then we will close the show. Leo, welcome to the show, Leo. What one position do you prioritise in January, Cooks? Midfielder, central midfielder. I agree. Yep, uh, full yep. house. Uh, only because of the party noises, um, for me, it's like we need that six or an eight type midfielder. We can't have... We can't be relying on Jorginho Elneny for the remainder of this season if parties, because let's not forget, parties disappearing off to the AFCON in January. So we may not see if if he if this if he's bumbling along with these niggly injuries, we may not we may be without our first choice number six uh, until like February time. So yeah. just get a new one in. Okay. The the next two are from Carl again. Has the interdoll come exactly right time for us, considering the injuries we have, Chris? Yeah. Yes, mm. 100%. Easy. Love it. I don't like the interdoll, and already I'm missing it. However, I do think it is a good time. Can I tell you why I do like it? Because yeah. I'm about to disappear off to New Zealand, so it means oh. that I don't miss a week of uh, of Arsenal. So at least if I'm going off for two and a half weeks, I've got one and a bit of those weeks where I don't have to worry about waking up at four in the morning or three in the morning to watch uh, watch Arsenal because it's not a game up. Selfish, I know. Selfish. James is right, though. Elneny is going FCON as well. And that's our yeah. cover. But he ain't played at all. so No, I don't but he is our cover. I mean... Well, we are not, not going to miss him. He didn't play now, are we? No, but he's our cover. So I'm trying to say he's, he, must, he must. How can he go to the AFCON party? He's injured. I, I, that that will be it. Um, right. And the last, well, we're going to do one more in a moment, but this is the last actual question. I want to put a post up from someone, a question. Are we in a three-way battle for the league or is there anyone else going to be in the mix? Anyone Jones. else? Um, I still think it's too early to tell. I mean, I don't think the league will properly take shape for a good couple of months yet. I mean, we'll have a much better idea around Christmas time, but um, I think... I'm still not entirely sure about Liverpool. I do think they look good, but I don't know. I just feel like a couple of injuries and, you know, the wheels could fall off there. I think we're starting to see the beginning of the end for Spurs, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it could be a three-way race. Um, but again, I still think there are a lot of games this season where we've kind of not been entirely convincing. So it could even be us that start to fall away. I hate to think that way, but I still think I need to see more from us to believe that we're going to go the distance. Yeah, I think I'm the most pessimistic of the three of us. And my fear is that we're going to be the ones that fall away. I feel like it's going to be City and Liverpool when we get to Christmas that will be uh, duking it out. I really hope that's not true. I hope that, you know, we're within, if we're within two, three, four points of them and we get Timber back and Party can actually be fit or we sign another midfielder, then like January could be quite exciting for us for the second half of the season. But right now, to me, I'm worried that we're going to be the ones that fall away. I don't think I don't think when I say fall away, I don't think fall away as in we finish fourth or fifth or whatever it is. I just feel like we might end up being the third best team in the league. Um, I don't actually. I think 
I think we'll uh, we'll be in the mix right to the end. It'll be interesting to see, especially if Liverpool and someone just mentioned that Villa are getting good. And also, one team's just got to go on a three four game run. You know, even United, although I can't see that happening. I would just like to end the show um, with something that Simon said, which I thought was lovely. Just want to say how impeccably observed the last post was at the Emirates. And indeed, all the other Premier League games this weekend was great to see. It was. And I think we need to um, commemorate Armistice Day this weekend, especially. Um and peace and love throughout the world, please. Peace and love throughout the world. And you're going to the other side of the world, aren't you, Christopher? I am. I'm not going to be around for a couple of weeks because I'm going to be uh, in New Zealand for two and a half weeks. So you two lovely kids, uh, don't break don't break the place whilst I'm uh, I'm around. You know, a few house parties, but uh, you you're know, a party you tidy up after yourself. As long as you tidy up after yourselves, I'll be all right. <laughs> Um, anything else anyone wants left to say? So have a safe trip, Christopher, and we look forward to seeing you back, I suppose, the beginning of December. That's it. Cooks, anything else left to say? No, just thank you guys as always. And I will be back hopefully week after next um, as we look ahead to Lons and Brentford. Yeah, he'll be back with his preview shows, post-game shows. Just subscribe, then you don't need to worry about missing any shows because we might do a an ad hoc show next weekend. Um, thanks to everyone for joining us. Um, it's been a good weekend for the Arsenal. Um, yeah, especially with uh, that last uh, winner. Um, sorry, that last minute equaliser at the bridge. Never give up hope. Remember, always Arsenal. Good night, everyone. Podcast Network.